What's up guys? Welcome back. In this episode, we will dive into the small, scaly world of the animal kingdom. The man I talked with today is a biologist, educator, and herper. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with that last word I said, herper, it has to do with searching for amphibians and reptiles. It's pretty crazy, right? So this individual spent time in Belize, educating children and students on the creepy crawlies that dwell on the earth's floor and below. He deals with snakes, frogs, lizards, birds, bats, and so many more. Let's put it together for the contemporary conservationist, Dylan Jones. going on man hey how's it going good how are you doing doing all right doing all right yeah made it back from the the nice long would you do go camping or did you go on a long hike uh kind of both we went up to uh san gregorio and just went on like a pretty long hike how long was it like what what type of mileage are we talking here um our guess is about 15 total oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) oh that's not easy dude that's not easy yeah, especially after not really hiking for the past few months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cardio just kind of tanks for a little while. That's always fun. Yeah, I'll <laughs> take a day to uh, kind of readjust after that. But yeah, okay, yeah, definitely getting getting out of the getting out of the city is important. Always, you kind of got to yeah. get away from all the craziness. Although things are kind of starting to open back up here in San Diego, so maybe maybe. Yeah, yeah, I've been starting to read up on this whole phase two stuff and just trying to understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like everybody, like, it was like phase two, and then some places are expediting it to phase three, and you're like, I don't know which phase is who now, like, you don't know. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. crazy. Oof. Did you, uh, so did you do any herping while you were out there? Did you find any snakes or lizards or anything like that? Uh, not really. We were at pretty high elevation the whole time. Oh, I think our, uh, our campsite was at like eight, five and a lot of the oh. species peak out at that point. So we just saw a few lizards running around. But that's about it. Nice. Nice. So, so you are a biologist by degree, maybe? Yeah. 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 By degree, um, by profession, I guess. Yeah. I don't know at what point, huh? I'm actually not <laughs> what qualifies to say you're a biologist honestly <laughs> well like you i mean if you have it you have a degree in biology maybe is that like is that would be yeah okay yeah so my undergraduate degrees in wildlife and fishery sciences beautiful okay and then now by profession you also teach and educate people about wildlife and biology so wildlife biologist mm-hmm. of sorts yeah <laughs> that's cool so how did you when did you decide that you wanted to because i know you're big on education and you're big on taking pictures of really cool lizards and really cool animals. So when were you like, oh, this is what I need to do? Like, how did you get to that point? Yeah, so I did a lot of, well, I always did a lot of outreach and education. Um, just 
mainly when I got into undergraduate, I really started getting into it just sort of for fun, sort of something to do and gave me the ability to work with animals a little bit more up close. But then, oh gosh, I guess maybe four years ago now, I decided to really try and do SciComm through social media more professionally. So that's where I started my Instagram account and just kind of um, really put all my efforts into it. Got it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it looks like you've done a pretty good job. I mean, you have your, your YouTube channel. I also don't know how you get some of these pictures of snakes, man. Like some of these are so up close. I don't know how you don't get bit a hundred percent of the time, but you know, you uh, do you. <laughs> if, if, if you get, you get bit less often than you think, but I still get bit often because I, <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of the thing with it. But um, the cool thing with snakes is you can pose them. Um, pretty easily, actually, if you kind of just cover them with your hands or a baseball cap or something, they, if you, if you work with them really slowly and patiently, they'll let you kind of move them around a little bit. Okay. So what mm-hmm. about, what about like this, the speckled racer snake? Like, you know, mm-hmm. that one that like kind of looks like it's standing up as it moves. I think mm-hmm. you had a video of it, like eating a frog and it looked oh, like, yeah. it looked like it would literally had front legs and was running away, but it was just super like erect and moving forward. And I was like, that's not a snake. <laughs> oh yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, no, some of the snakes are really, really difficult. Uh, the racers particularly are hard just because they're very hard to catch because they're so fast. Um, yeah. Everyone has their own difficulties. So that's, that's, what's kind of nice about it. Yeah, I'm sure. Cause I feel like that type of, snake moving around like that'd be hard to not get like a blurry image you'd have to do like a frame by frame with a video almost (laughs) yeah i have i have some pictures of them of some larger ones and it's actually kind of funny because you can you can see me taking the picture and you see the snake really up close what you don't see is off camera i'm holding it by the tail so it doesn't get away (laughs) (laughs) because if you did let go that he'd be gone yeah yeah pretty quickly so do you have any like aside from i know you guys have rattlesnakes out mm-hmm. here, I think. What mm-hmm. other venomous snakes? Is that the only venomous snake here? Or what kind of venomous snakes do they have in this county? Do, do, do. So I'm still learning my Southern California snakes. I'm from uh, Texas, but rattlesnakes are a big one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think we get any of the coral snakes, but I have to double check that if there's any desert species. I don't think there are, though. Yeah, there's a few that have some like rear fanged venom, but that's not really going to affect us at all. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember you had mentioned in one of your social media posts mm-hmm. about venom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously there's rattlesnakes here. And you talked about the evolution of venom. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if you could elaborate on that a little bit because that was pretty that was pretty interesting to read on because you didn't really you don't really think about the evolution mm-hmm. of like a venomous creature. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what your take is on that with snakes or even frogs or anything else. Oh yeah, venom is a uh, very interesting and complex subject. Um, I know a few people have pretty much dedicated all of their research to venom in the various capacities, because you can look at it from chemically, how does venom work, to evolutionarily, how does venom work? Um, Kind of the body of literature that I tend to agree with is that originally venom wasn't really as, um, I guess, deadly as it is today. It was because you see this in a lot of snakes where they do have very, very slight venom. And that's just meant to, I mean, if you bite into a frog, for example, it gets absorbed through their skin very, very quickly and just kind of incapacitates them. But then you get this whole um, 
kind of like, I mean, the, the stereotypical term is an evolutionary arms race where the species that the, the snake eats starts to get resistant to the venom. And then, so then the snake needs to have more potent venom and then the species gets more resistant. The next, then the snake needs to have more potent venom. And it's just, just ever, um, ever continuing cascade of just increasing toxicity. But what's really crazy about it is that it's very, very specific in a lot of systems where it's one species of rodent or frog or, you know, newt or whatever versus one species of snake. And so it's kind of like those two are barely outcompeting each other in a lot of ways, but everything else is kind of screwed. <laughs> that is kind of terrifying, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really cool though, I guess. Oh, That's yeah. awesome. I mean, you don't really think about, I guess, I mean, a venomous snake is going to get the weakest link and then the strongest ones are going to evolve. So then mm-hmm. the snake has to get some better toxins in it. Mm-hmm. Dude, I feel, I feel so dumb. I'm in, I'm in a graduate level program right now. Mm-hmm. And I found out within the last, I don't know, two years, mm-hmm. the difference between what being poisonous and venomous was. And I'm like, dude, you should have learned that in like third grade <laughs> like that. Oh, uh, it's, it, it's such a common misunderstanding because in like popular media, it's just used interchangeably. Um, yeah. so you kind of grow up learning that they essentially mean the same thing. Oh my gosh. That was not not ideal to figure out when you're an adult and your friends are like, dude, you are into animals and I'm not, and I know what that means. Like, <laughs> yeah. So when you're when you're out herping and uh, is that the word that you use when you like tell your friends? Because like that's what I've kind of gotten into, obviously mm-hmm. not to your level, but it's always funny because people are like, Oh, what are you doing? Like, oh I'm herping. Yeah. And they're like, You're doing what? I'm like, I'm going to look at animals not collect venereal diseases like don't worry <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no we definitely say herping uh yeah such a good it's term. a good it is it's a great term it's funny because people are like what did you just say there so when you're when you're herping out here mm-hmm. what's like what do you what's your goal to find in southern california or do you not know yet because i know you post like there's some common frogs you find mm-hmm. out here even lizards, like small salamanders, things like that. But like, is there something that you're going for to find? Like, what do you want to get? Yeah, it's a, um, it's an ever moving target. So it's, I think it, what, what I really want to find changes depending on where I'm at or what time of year it is. Um, and I guess I got, I guess I got very, very lucky when I first moved here because I would go out herping with a few friends um, before I really knew this area. And we would find some of these like very, very rare species. <laughs> and it's like, for them, it was, you know, super, super cool. They had spent years doing it. And for me, it was like, oh, this is my second time out in Southern California. That's cool, I guess. Um, cause, I, <laughs> Cause I hadn't, you know, um, I just hadn't really, I guess, cause I, there's species back home in Texas that I spent years looking for, never found. So it's not as, uh, not as, you know, great. But I mean, right now I'm just trying to find as many species as I can. Um, just because, I mean, I've lived in California, I think six months now. So it's just, I'm trying to learn as many as I can and find new species that I haven't seen before and just try to photograph as many as I can. Heck yeah. So I guess a little bit of beginner's luck played into that. But... Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's great. Dang. So you, again, you're big on education. I see that all over your page, which I think is amazing because that's the only way that we teach people and get people to learn is education, education, Mm -hmm. education. So you were in Belize Mm -hmm. for a long time, right? And you did what exactly in Belize? Because I remember you were there and then you were like, I'm coming back in Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks. And it was this real 
it, was, it looked really cool. So I don't know what you did out there. Yeah. So Belize, um, I spent a total of nine months there over a, about a year and a half period. Um, so three months for my first stint and six months for my most recent stint. Uh, and essentially what I was doing there was a variety of, uh, I guess, wildlife biology research projects. Um, it was kind of varied because I was having to lead interns um, that we had there. So that was kind of how I got to afford my stay. I had room and board covered while I was there, assuming that I'm leading um, up to 12 interns at a time on various research projects. So Oof. yeah, it was, it was varied, but um, I mean, my experience was mainly helping them with herpetology related things. So we did a lot of surveys. We did tadpole sampling up and down a river um, and we did radio telemetry of white lip mud turtles. So just essentially put a transmitter on their back and track them for months on end um, as well as just a bunch of kind of side projects. So we did a lot of camera traps looking at all um, the property had uh, the five big cats in Belize. So like Jaguars, Jaguarundis, Ocelots. Um, oh, I'm forgetting uh, Pumas and oh, I'm forgetting the last one. Uh, Marigas. There we go. Um, and then some bat sampling, bird sampling, insects, kind of just, a grab bag of whatever, whatever we could do. So were you, I mean, when you say big cats, I mean, I talked to, I talked to a guy um, on this podcast who liked, he darts big cats and he sedates them because he doesn't want them awake near him. <laughs> were you ever like concerned when you had these cats coming by? Oh yeah. You were like, mm. it's, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. It's constantly in our mind. Um, and there was definitely, I mean, there was one time where there was one behind me and I heard it you know, make a noise. And what? Yeah, that was, that was not a fun moment. Like, Did you like immediately run to the bathroom after that? or what? Uh, <laughs> like, No, I was pretty close to the station. Um, Cause the thing is they were not far. Like we had, yeah, we had a, we got this one on the camera traps. We got a Puma wandering into the main orchard at uh, like 1030 in the morning. And I think at 1015, we had a group that had just walked down there. So it's like, we, we know they're there. Um, and I think, I think the worst moment was um, one of my first times there. Me and a few interns went down and we were trying to attract turtles. So we had a bunch of fish heads um, in a bag and we're sitting there in the, next to, the, next to our, one of our swimming holes that's kind of deep in the jungle with just rotting fish heads and all of our lights off so we don't scare off the turtles. And we're all talking about how we're brave, you know, like, ah, oh, the cats aren't going to get us. They're more scared of us than they are of them, blah, blah, blah. But every time we heard a twig snap, it was every light is on and we're like kind of jumping. And... Dude, I'd be losing my mind. Yeah, yeah. Mm, that's cool, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun, but yeah. <laughs> terrifying. Dude, I swear, like, everything in those remote areas, like, everything is, like, out to get you. Like, even the insects, you know? Like, do you ever see the new Indiana Jones uh, movie where Harrison Ford's a little bit older and, like, all those ants, like, like they devour people? Like, that's what I imagine ants are like anywhere but, like, home. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I, mean, I imagine these massive ants that just eat people. <laughs> well, I mean, you'll get like army ant infestations every now and then, and they just kind of sweep through a cabin, eat everything that they can and leave. So it, I mean, it's, it kind of looks like that, honestly, but <laughs> what about those? Uh... So I like, I did research on mm -hmm. ants in undergrad and it was like super interesting. Um, and I saw that you had talked about like how certain ants will like raid other species of ants homes and like steal their babies pretty much like yeah. their larvae or something. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm like, that's messed up, dude. Like I don't go, like I don't go into 
you know, LA and steal people's kids. <laughs> you know, that's messed up. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. But these, these, these ants are just like, mm, we're going to do that for now and see how it works out. Yeah, I think I think that's the funniest thing with ants is that uh, at least in in the states, it's there's like a very stereotypical ant, and that's just kind of what we see and have. It's like you know they have the mound, they kind of forage around there, and they have little trails. But um, going into the tropics, it's just there's an insane diversity of ants. Um, everything from like these massive bullet ants to uh, leaf cutters that you just can see completely just grazing down an area. I mean, it's it, it's incredible what they can do. It's cool to watch them all like when they're all following each other and they all have like enormous leaves mm-hmm. on their back and they're just trutting away through whatever and like someone drops a leaf and then they all like help pick it back up and then they're on their way again i'm like oh, yeah. you're such a they're they're so efficient i guess oh, yeah. is a good way to put it like they're very very efficient and isn't so it's all the all the worker ants are males and then the queen ant is a female, I think. Ooh, I I think I, I think. Say, I mean, the queen is definitely a female, but I'm that would make sense. Fairly <laughs> sure. Oh gosh, yeah, ants are definitely not my specialty. Maybe we don't. Maybe we don't quote each other. Or yeah, anything yeah, yeah, about yeah. this part because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think something along those lines. I think I don't. I'm not sure if it's in most of them or only some of them, but I think the males are only there to mate, and I want to say most of the workers uh, are female. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Got to, got to get it done somehow. Yeah. Uh, so do you ever do any like the lizards you see? Cause I know you mentioned lizards eat insects. So mm-hmm. like they eat ants. Like I know from, I'm from Arizona mm-hmm. and the desert horny toad eats, mm-hmm. uh, ants. Like that's what it eats. And then some of them eat plants. Yeah. Why, why do some eat plants and some eat insects? Like why are some lizards like all about being, carnivores and then others are like you know vegans like it's like yeah Yeah, the the why question is always the most difficult one to answer and the one that has so much background that can go into it um for really anything with evolutionary biology so i know with the um the herbivorous lizards there's uh i've I've read a few things about the origin of, of herbivory in lizards and some say it's just it's exploiting a resource that wasn't really exploited because most of the herbivorous ones are in desert environments um, where you assume that there's less insects and whatnot. So they're typically eating the plants there, which are way more numerous than, you know, lots of insects. So it kind of makes sense. And I think there was also a trend with herbivorous lizards also being larger. So I think it's this kind of a cascade of multiple things kind of pushing them towards herbivory. But even then, a lot of them, when they're younger, they still eat insects, and then they kind of change into herbivores when they get older. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I wonder, huh? I wonder if parenting comes into play with that. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Parenting and social structures in uh, reptiles and amphibians has been very poorly studied. It's yeah, that's so interesting. I don't know. It's like we don't know a whole lot about these animals because you know you don't you don't see them. We live in our own little world where we've kind of tossed them to the side. And then mm-hmm. there's people like us who are like, Hmm, maybe we should study them. <laughs> so I don't mean to like, I don't mean to backtrack a little mm-hmm. bit, but when you said you were in Belize, you said you were, what were you doing with turtles exactly? Yeah. So it's called or, um, radio telemetry. So basically you put this little transmitter on their back that sends out a signal. Um, so we had 10 turtles every year with a little transmitter on their back and you'd go out there with this big antenna and a little um, radio receiver and just track them. So you'd set it to us, you set your receiver to a frequency 
and you would hear beeps and you're literally it's kind of like using a metal detector but for turtles um <laughs> that's awesome yeah so we would yeah we track them twice a week figure out where they were and from that you can tell like um how large is their home range um where do they travel how far do they travel and uh we're working on a publication with that because they have i think six or seven years now of data on this and it's just analyzing it and putting it into a publication yeah definitely that's kind of like little terminator turtles under the water <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> little kind of robot turtles not really because they don't know what's going on but <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool though that's awesome for in terms mm-hmm. of science it's good to know oh yeah that's awesome so you also i mean aside from just turtles and giant large cats when you were when you were there you said you led up to 12 interns which mm. is like berserk i don't know how you i don't know where your time management came into play there uh, yeah but like in in terms of like education for mm. wildlife biology and herpetology mm. and teaching those guys like why like what's your reason for why you think it's so important for people to learn about like wildlife like what's your go-to when you have to tell people why you think it's important yeah i think it's important because there's um increasingly there's just been more misinformation Um, What I always tell people is that I used to be dead, like deathly scared of the nature and outdoors and all animals until I was about 14 or so. Um, I had watched a lot of Animal Planet growing up. And I guess in my time watching it, it was transitioning away from like Steve Irwin and all, you know, those types of shows into more of like top 10 deadliest animals in the world. Um, (laughs) Like, And Shark Week at that time was definitely more about how all sharks are incredible killers, not necessarily you know, kind of where they've transitioning, where they've pushed it towards now, where it's more about these are really important animals and they're really important for the ecosystem. Um, So I was just heavily influenced by that and kind of seeing, well, you know, I really got over that and kind of saw that it's kind of the exact opposite in many ways. So it just kind of (laughs) uh, pushed me to really do this education. And I mean, it's evolved through the years into being less about these aren't, these animals won't kill you. And now I'm talking about like complex evolutionary theory on instagram so that's yeah yeah it's, <laughs> dude, that's that's <laughs> badass dude that's awesome yeah, i respect yeah. that on a whole different level because mm-hmm. it's i think i think it's important like i don't know i see the pictures of you like are you technically uh, like what is it like are you a falconer can you are you like oh, no. doing that or are you just are you just allowed to hold them because um, you've held them enough times during <laughs> so when i was doing that um uh, that was through a nonprofit. so their falcons and their well all their birds of prey were non-releasable wildlife. So Got it. I am not a falconer. Um, that takes a lot more time than I'm willing to put in for kind of honestly a side hobby. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's like based on the permitting, I'm allowed to hold them under the supervisor of, or under the supervision of another falconer who was always at the events. There we go. That mm-hmm. sounds like a lot easier and a yep. lot cooler because you still get to talk about it and hold a cool bird. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's so. What were you in that picture that you have of you holding that big bird? I see your hand is on your head. Are you like explaining how that thing will just grab its prey? Um, essentially, not that one. Actually, off frame, there's a there's a peregrine falcon. So the bird I'm holding is a big red-tailed hawk um, Oof. named a Freya. But um, I was I was actually explaining how falcons they'll dive bomb their prey, but then they'll grab them by the head (laughs) so that was that uh yeah that was that picture it's a solid picture though dude that's Mm -hmm. great (laughs) just holding a a big hawk in your hand (laughs) oh my i had a 
kid asked me once why I, because I've done a couple things where you hold predatory birds. Mm-hmm. And this kid was like, why do you wear gloves? And I'm like, <laughs> well, I like my fingers. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, you, you got you to gotta explain it to little kids because they don't understand. They're like, well, why? And you're mm-hmm. like, because they use their feet to kill things. So oh, it's yeah. like. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they're very strong. We have this um, great horned owl that. Oh my gosh, you just get startled by everything. And I think a couple times she would find the seam in my glove and just like just barely nick my finger through the glove. <sighs> you know, oof, they have a oof. they have an especially strong grip, so <laughs> Yeah, they're dude, those things I I worked at a clinic and this guy, one of the veterinarians would see like great horned owls and all these birds that would come in that people would find and it would like in the cage because they come in cat carriers mm-hmm. because like you drop them off and you take them out of the cat carrier and he'd be like, all right, like go grab the bird. And you're like, Oh God. And it's in like the back of the crate and it would look at you mm-hmm. and these eyes, these things have, they're just huge. And then like they click their little talons mm-hmm. on like the, the bottom of the crate. And you're like, Oh dude, this thing's going to mess me up if I don't grab it. Right. Like oh, yeah. it's, it's scary. They are do you ever see those, uh, do, do you ever see those guys eat like frogs at all? Um, I think some of them will. Oh, gosh. Just not preferred? No, I think it's a little bit harder because also a lot of the frogs, well, a lot of frogs come out at night, too, so that might be part of it. I know there's some owls that will eat them, but I'm trying to think. I don't I don't know of any birds of prey that specialize on frogs off the top of my head. It's probably not, probably not an easy food to get because, like, you got to go out in the wilderness and, mm-hmm. like, it's probably more like mice and rats well, near, like, closer areas, I, maybe. I, I don't can know. see it because a lot of the frogs, when they want to advertise to a mate – They'll kind of go into a, some of the species anyways, will go into a very um, exposed area so that they can kind of show off. And I know there's the, um, I mean, the, the classical example is the, um, oh gosh, the predator-prey relationship between the Tungarunga frog and the, um, I think it's the fishing bat, um, huh. where the frogs will call, but they don't want to call in too much of an open area because there's these bats that really specialize on eating these frogs. So they'll swoop down and grab them. So it's kind of this oh tricky balance of, do I want to mate or do I want to get eaten? You know, it's... <laughs> Dude, that is not worth it. That's a 50-50 mm-hmm. shot. Yeah. It's... Dude, if, oh, oh, if I saw a bat, so if I saw a bat car- carving into a frog, mm-hmm. I would I would run away. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. But yeah, it's... It's, it's cool. It's crazy. <laughs> Dude, bats are... <sighs> bats are something of themselves dude. Oh, they yeah. are they're really cool i think they're awesome and i think their ability to hold a virus for an extended period mm-hmm. of time and not die right away is actually incredible oh yeah like even though they even though they like spread viruses whatever mm-hmm. bad bad juju they have on them they're cool animals they're yeah they're well, they've gotten a, such a bad rep i mean especially recently with the whole uh covid pandemic yeah and it's like that's i mean that's the thing with any zoonotic disease is that it's it's not necessarily dangerous to the host animal that we got it from, but it's just not suited for us. I mean, I think, I think a similar thing happened with uh, like H1N1, you know, swine flu and then bird flu. It's just, oh, it's just, there's always something. But um, what I always tell people to get them on the side of bats is that uh, bats are the primary pollinators of agave, which is how we get tequila. So it's. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's my go-to now. Yep. You have just, (laughs) Given me a whole new fact that I'm going to use as yep. often as I can now. Oh yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you see it on most bat publications um, for like the reason why they want need to conserve the bats is because of tequila. Yeah, because we need tequila. Are you yeah. kidding me? 
be like, listen, everybody can get really sick mm-hmm. and like, and we're still going to have tequila then. And people be like, all right, like that's a, that's a good trade off. Oh, like, <laughs> I, I still can't imagine what seeing one of those things eat a frog. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain kind that like specializes in that. Like they, like they look for frogs. Uh, yeah. In this, in this particular dynamic and like the neotropics, they will eat a lot of frogs. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, bats are pretty crazy because a lot of them will eat insects. And of course there's like the fruit eating bats, but then there's, the fishing bats, which do fish and get, they just swoop down and grab <laughs> fish. Um, what? Yeah, they have really unique feet that allow it. Um, they'll just kind of skim the surface and get fish that are sleeping at night. Um, Dude. Yeah, bats are wild. They're um, That's crazy. Yeah, incredibly speciose as well. There's so many I of ex- them. I accidentally touched a bat once <laughs> when I shouldn't have because it was crawling on the ground oh, yeah. in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. And I like grabbed it with a stick. Mm-hmm. And some professor from my school that was, I don't know, maybe she was diseases. I forget exactly what she did, but she was like, why would you touch that thing? And I was like, oh, yeah. oh no. It's like one of those things I should have learned a long time ago, like on <laughs> or by like venom and poison. Like should have learned that. Should have learned don't touch the bats. That's a oh, yeah. living you learned. Do they ever eat like salamanders or anything like that? Or is it just like frogs probably? I'm, I mean, I'm sure they could, but I doubt they'll, I doubt they have a, Easy time finding them is the thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Probably hard. Yeah, because salamanders are they, – they're muddy. They're muddy. They're usually underneath <laughs> they're... stuff, and they're usually very quiet as well. But, I mean, yeah, if they, yeah. If they know there's a salamander there that they can grab, they probably would. Honestly. Yeah. Do Have you ever – I'm sure you have seen those, like, four-foot-long salamanders in China. Oh, yeah. That's been on my list to go see them in person for a very long time. Dude, I was reading, and they said they could get up to, like, 70 pounds, and I was like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Yeah. Like, that's that is a, that's bigger than a child. Oh, yeah. They're, that's they're wild. Like, <laughs> like, how did, like, I, I found salamanders in northern Arizona, and they're, mm-hmm. like, cute little tiny, like, half a water bottle-sized thing. Oh, yeah. like, oh, that's cool. And, like, when I see those big ones where they just kind of, like, sit mm-hmm. and they just look like a massive piece of gum, <laughs> you're like, oh, you're like, oh, my God, oh, these yeah. things are crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the States does have a few big salamanders. I mean, nothing close to the to the giants in Asia. But, um, like, we'll get, like, the hellbenders out east. And then we get, um, I'm blanking on the common name, but, like, Dicamptodon up in the north that get pretty decent-sized. Oh. Um, I need to. <laughs> I might. I might try to plan a trip this next uh, spring or fall to go looking for them. That would be. That'd be worth it. Yep. <laughs> find a find a big salamander. That'd be pretty cool. Oh yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. I wonder why they get so big. Like when I think they're in China and Japan or something like that. I wonder like why. They just got huge. Like they just mm-hmm. like a certain evolutionary thing. They were like, mm, we need to get massive. Yeah. Like we... <laughs> I haven't. I haven't looked into it much, but. Yeah, no. I mean, there's lots of reasons why being big would be beneficial. I can see it, but... Huh. Yeah. I feel like there's probably not it's... a lot of predators. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what would hunt a giant salamander. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe a, oof, maybe a giant mm-hmm. alligator, crocodile or something? Um, the Chinese crocodile's a thing, or the Chinese alligator's a thing, but they're, uh, but they're like, critically endangered. <laughs> so... They probably don't. They probably don't come in contact with those giant salamanders. Yeah, too they often. think those salamanders are very stream-based. Like they're in very little streams, not necessarily like a uh, like a lake or a pond or anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, dude. I had a 
I had a buddy who got bit by a salamander <laughs> and he was like all concerned because like he was like, I'm going to die. And I'm like, no, like you're fine. Like you just don't worry about it. And he brought up the, he, he's, he's scared mm-hmm. out of his wits from like insects and reptiles and stuff because he got whatever put in him by bot flies, like what you oh, have. Yeah. Yeah. And he like, he, that, literally deterred him for the rest of his life like he will never like he sees a ladybug and he's like oh like no <laughs> like it's when when did that bot fly thing happen could you like explain what that is so that i'm not just like talking about like a oh yeah robot fly yeah so the, <laughs> the bot fly it's a well it's a, it's a species of fly um but they i believe the vector is a mosquito but essentially their larvae get laid in the uh in the tissues of animals um and it you know you'll see it a lot on like if you go into like the neotropics, you'll see it a lot in uh, like cattle and whatnot, but humans can get it too. Um, so I got two of them and we're pretty sure we know which park I got it from because it was this like essentially an abandoned national park um, that uh, apparently all the locals know just has a bunch of bot flies. Um, <laughs> so I had two of them in my back um, and you at, at first it kind of just looks like a little bump. But then you you kind of get an idea as to what it is because it's just too big to be like uh, acne or anything like that. Um, and then you start to feel them wiggle around a little bit because they're these little larvae that are. In your oh, back. dude, um, dude, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of. I guess I guess me and your friend had opposite reactions because I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> um, I was super excited. Um, I just. Yeah. So what we did is we suffocated them with electrical tape. You just literally slap it over the holes. Um, and then they'll, they, they, they die in there. You can't pull them out when they're alive because they have these, uh, essentially spikes that point backwards. If you try to pull them out, you'll, you can actually rip them in half and then they'll kind of fester inside of the wound. So it's just not, Oh, it's like a hook. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. mine, we put them in ethanol and they actually sit on my desk. Little, uh, tick and tack is what I call them. Cause they're little white. Larvae. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Dude. You, at least you got them out. I've, mm-hmm. uh, heard some horror stories about those things that people get like a ton of them in them and it yeah. just takes forever for them to yank them out i've heard the whole thing they suffocate them with tape so they can't mm-hmm. breathe and then yeah they do they come more towards the surface then when they can't breathe is that like yeah. the concept or is that, does that just kill them and then i uh, know they'll come more towards the surface which definitely helps but um sometimes they will try to burrow in deeper and i definitely felt that a little bit i mean you feel them moving around is the thing um like that that's Dude, what did you what what did you do right when you felt it move like were you like oh this is cool oh, or I was were so you excited. like I was so dude that's crazy <laughs> that's crazy yeah. man that's yeah that's i mean it's cool it is it is cool it's interesting i just know that i would probably pass out if that <laughs> happened to me so i'm glad there's people like you out there oh yeah who are like this is bad because it is cool and it was um the timing on it was really great because part of the thing i was also doing was in while i was in belize was kind of um yeah, uh, kind of leading these high school groups as well. I was kind of their contact between the station and their uh, organizations. So this this high school group of 30 primarily high school girls, um, they first met me that day. And then the next day were popping bot flies out of my back. So they, they didn't know me <laughs> at all, but they were just, you know, surrounded by it. And like, oh my gosh, you know, they, they didn't know what they were in for. <laughs> that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That probably made their whole time while you're there. That's great. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's ideal. That's awesome. So while you've been not in Belize mm-hmm. in here, so in the last couple of months, while everything's been like kind of shut down mm-hmm. and whatnot, do you ever still go out um, like every weekend or every day and go look around for things since, mm-hmm. you know, areas aren't open? Cause I know that you 
you posted pictures of like of these frog eggs, mm-hmm. like those tons of frog eggs that you have, and I wasn't sure if that was here. Oh gosh, frog eggs. I think the like frog it looked... eggs might have been in Belize. Okay, that would make I was like, mm. um, yeah. But to answer your question, I mean, I so if there was a while where the parks were closed, um, and that was oh, that kind of tricky to figure out. But uh, lately, they've been at least in San Diego, they've been open, but the parking lots are closed. So I'm pretty fortunate in that there's a, a decent size little. Uh, I think it's technically a nature preserve um, within three quarters of a mile from my house. So. I've been walking hmm. there three or four times a week. Oh, well, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's ideal. Yeah, that's tricky. The parks are open, but the parking lots are closed. I yeah. don't know what they expect to everyone's better be getting their cardio in. Yeah, I mean it's I mean, luckily San Diego has a lot of parks. So I mean, obviously yeah. you don't if you don't live next to a place that you can really hike at, um, that's not as feasible, but it's yeah, I, I kind of see where they're coming from. It's just a tricky, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So do we have, I haven't seen a whole lot of squirrels here in San Diego because I'm over um, Hmm. near like Coronado, Point Loma area, Hmm. but I haven't seen any squirrels here, but I heard, I saw like a picture of one online from San Diego and I was like, hmm, it's interesting. Oh yeah, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I haven't really seen any squirrels either. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you did, you, you posted, uh, where was that picture at from long time ago? It was a picture of that squirrel and that parrot. That was cool. That was, uh, they're sharing food together. Oh, some sort of, I think, ooh, I think I remember which photo this is. Is there a, is there a parrot in the background by chance? Yes, there is. Okay. So that was also still in Belize. That was at a parrot rescue. I stayed at for a, essentially a vacation while I was there. Uh, a vacation. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, you know, I, I'm in this foreign country, but I am doing like work. So I guess kind of the benefit is, I think two or three times they um, the the station owners paid for paid for me to go have a vacation, um, just like a weekend away, and they kind of made sure that the booking was all solid. So one of them was a parrot rescue, um, and there was a big fair that was going on. So I was like, it was perfect timing. Wow, mm. that sounds like a good time. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, heck, you get a vacation paid for to go to a parrot rescue that sounds like my type of vacation honestly oh yeah it was fantastic and then the uh the fair there is like a big agricultural fair and i have never had rum so cheap in my life it was ridiculous (laughs) um so yeah it was a very very fun weekend (laughs) yeah i bet i bet good lord so when you were in belize or parrot rescue places or anything like that did you ever get uh bit by any venomous snakes or anything like that or even in san diego what is uh what's the worst thing you've ever gotten snapped by i've never been bit by a venomous snake that's uh partly because oh. i'm just very uh i just don't really mess around with them too much you're uh, smart yeah i mean like i know how to handle <laughs> them and I've, i mean i've i've picked them up with proper tools when i've needed to before um and i've definitely had close calls but um those haven't really gotten me ever um i mean i've gotten bit I think, I don't think I've had a particularly bad bite before by anything non-venomous. Um, I mean, I've been snapped at by like boas and stuff and they have a decent amount of teeth that kind of hurt, but nothing too crazy. I think the worst, the worst stuff has never been from an animal. It's been from me being just stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I think I, uh, yeah, I fell, we were trying to figure out a new transect and I was um, trying to go down this hill. And it looked like there were, you know, mud steps almost, but it turns out it was just leaves. 
So what happened oh, is no. I just took a step down and just went straight down, probably 20 feet on the hill. I actually got it on video too. And it's kind of, um, it's so bad. It's so bad because I was trying to convince everyone that I was being safe and I was doing the right thing. And it was just like an accident. <laughs> but in the video, I'm, I'm, I literally say, I am making so many bad decisions right now. And then I fall. Um, so on that one, yeah. And then there was a rock at the bottom. So I bruised my tailbone and got a concussion from it, which, oh man, yeah, it could have been a lot worse, but it's just like, yeah, oh, gosh. Yeah. That's a, that was a, that was a fall. <laughs> we, we all learn when to put our foot in our mouth sometimes. Yep. In situations yep. like that. Yeah. That's, I mean, Hey, you're lucky you didn't break any bones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good Lord. So, um, just couple more questions for you and again I, I i really like harping on the education of it because that's why that's why i really like your social media page is because you're huge on education and that's mm-hmm. massive and so if you were like a little kid prior like and let's say because you said you used to be kind of not the biggest fan of these things but if you were a kid who was super interested in it how would you recommend that like kids or i guess anybody of a certain age could get involved into like herping aside from going out in their backyard or what would be your, what would be your advice that you learn more about this? Yeah. So luckily in a lot of the States, um, most cities have some type of herpetological society that, um, that kind of can teach you how to get out there and really find stuff. And they always have events. Um, a lot of natural history museums and other organizations do uh, bio blitzes. So I always recommend looking up those. Essentially, it's just like a really, really concentrated period of time where people go out and look for things. So um, I've run a That's couple cool. ones from my undergrad university. I ran the herpetology team for two years. And that's a great way to get people out there because you're typically with people who know what they're doing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 partly that. But I mean, it, it definitely can't be understated the benefit of just going out there, finding a field guide and just exploring yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's how I learned how to catch lizards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So just one last question for you. Mm-hmm. I got to ask everybody this. And it's what is what's your wildest encounter been with an animal in your years of doing this? Yeah. So there was this. Um, oh, gosh, there was this moment. So we were um, we were doing these bat workshops. So essentially we were setting up these big nets um, that bats are supposed to fly into. Um, and then we catch them and we, uh, we did a few studies. So we measured them and, you know, took note of the species and whatnot. So I was leading the interns that we had at the time about that, uh, doing this net setup. And on the first net check, um, I saw this uh, fur lance. Uh, so it's this uh, venomous viper species through the neotropics that is uh, pretty potent. Um, it, pr- it has, you know, pretty decent venom. And I saw it and I took some really bad pictures with my phone because I didn't have my camera on me. And I, uh, I chased it away because it was right next to our bat nets. And that's just not something we want to deal with. Um, so I was pretty, I was feeling like super excited. So then we go back for the next net check. Um, and there was four or five bats in the net. And it was just like, oh, gosh, OK, here we go. So we start, oh, no. we start removing them out. And then <laughs> we hear this rustling from the woods. And out pops the same fur lance, and it's just coming right at us. And I have never in my life charged me before, um, and it was just wild. So fur lances are very, very territorial snakes. Um, they do set up territories, defend them from other males. And what we think happened with this one is because it was fairly young; it was only a, 
a few feet long. We think it had just set up its territory and now we're in it and oh. we wanted to protect it. So the problem is that we had bats on the lower levels and the snake was very, very close. So I told the interns to get out because the way we had set up the nets um, essentially trapped us in there with the snakes because all of our exits were a big, you know, 12 foot long net. So um, I have to, I, I'm sitting there with this bat on the ground and then this big snake just kind of staring at me and I'm having to extract it while watching him. And he's, he's literally three feet away from me. Um, and he just wasn't scared of us in the slightest. So it was Whoa. just me extracting bats one after another with, with the help of the station manager. Um, I would be shaking in my boots. Yeah, because the snake never left. He um, never left us alone. He actually curled up by the tree. And we decided to um, we decided to close the nets because that was just way too dangerous at that point. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I've never had a snake do that, and it it was. I mean, it definitely wasn't trying to bite me. It was trying to let me know, hey, I'm here. You need to back off. So it was a uh, what a wild. savage little snake. He didn't care at all. No, not at all. I mean, they are that's crazy. They are definitely one that just demands respect. Yeah, I mean, heck, you got to give it to him. Move the bats. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dang, dude, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, dude, thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. No I love talking to I love talking to people, learning more things, especially mm -hmm. when you're in a similar area as I am. Mm -hmm. So learning more about what's going on here and even way on over yonder in Belize. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of your longish weekend. I guess you just got back from your long weekend. So. Yeah. But uh, we'll chat again soon, and I uh, look forward to talking with you in the future, man. I appreciate it again. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. Not a problem. A huge thank you to Dylan Jones for coming on today and sharing the knowledge of small critters. Check him out on Instagram at contemporary underscore conservationist, where his post and Instagram TV is plump full of crazy facts. And if that's not enough, and you want some more in-depth information on these crazy creatures, check out his YouTube page, Dylan Jones. That is spelled D-I-L-L-O-N Jones. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and be on the lookout for next week's episode.